Thank you, Stella. And uh, sorry about Andrea, she always gets the, uh, the names of our sermon series wrong. She never remembers them. And uh, unfortunately, what you don't see is the things that go on in between what we do. And uh, quite often there's chaos uh, or there's uh, confusion as we try and work out what's, what's happening next. Uh, or as and, uh, what's happening now, Andrea's on Facebook looking at all sorts of things rather than listening to me. So uh, we've been looking at wilderness wanderings. What Israel are up to? in that in-between time of leaving Egypt and then finally, 40 years later, entering into the Promised Land. And uh, we've seen some incredible stories, most, mostly stories that you will have heard before in some way. Uh, well, in the midst of all of them are some really difficult stories, stories of God's judgment, of God opening up the ground and swallowing rebellious Israelites. And in our story today, God sending snakes to effectively to kill those who are rebelling against him. And uh, we, we can't look at the wilderness wanderings without looking at these difficult passages. Of course, the most difficult passage is what happens when uh, the Israelites create the, the golden calf and uh, what happens after that. And so what we have here is, uh, there's two stories in our reading, and I want the two stories as a contrast. Uh, in the first part of the story, what we see is uh, the Israelites being attacked by uh, the king of Arad. And he takes some of the Israelites captive, takes them back to his city, effectively, I guess, for slaves. And of course, the Israelites want to redeem their people. They want to set them free. And so God enables them to overcome this city and to free their countrymen. God acts on their behalf. And then in the next part of the story, we have this constant cycle of seeing the Israelites grumbling again. So God has just done something incredible, enabling this wandering tribe of nomads to overcome and conquer a fortified city. And now they're moaning about the food. It's not that they're hungry. They are moaning about the repetitive nature of their food. God is providing for them each and every day, manna and quail. They're not having to work for it. It's just landing there straight in their lap. And they're moaning. We, uh, we sometimes comment, don't we, about uh, sometimes younger generations having this kind of privileged um, sense and a sense of entitlement uh, and what we see is the Israelites really have that a sense of entitlement that God should be providing something more than this manna and quail and so they start grumbling and again they become kind of slightly overdramatic as they say it would have been better if we'd have died and all that kind of stuff but what happens next is, is terrible really because well, as people start to rebel against God, and we, don't forget all the way through, we've said that grumbling is connected to rebellion because it's further down the line, isn't it? If you keep on grumbling, if you keep looking at the negative, if you don't deal with the situation, you end up in rebellion against God. And so what happens is God sends these snakes. And as the, the people start to die from the bites of these snakes, 
the people of Israel come back to their senses. They start to repent and they say to Moses, Moses, would you pray to God that he would take these snakes away? And God doesn't take the snakes away. But all he does is he provides a way of healing for them. He tells Moses to make uh, a, a, to take a pole and, and to, to form an image of a snake on it and to lift it up. And whoever looks at this image will not die of the bite from a snake. It's a strange story. It's an incredible story. But it's a story that reveals to us the two sides of God, both his holiness, his unwillingness, his inability to countenance sin in his presence. And we've always known that. And we, we, we see it all the way through scripture. That God and sin cannot live in the same place. God has to deal with sin. And rebellion against him is obviously the ultimate sin. But we also see his mercy as he provides a way out for the people of Israel as they repent. We have both sides of God here. And you cannot separate both sides. He is both holy and he is also merciful. And although this story seems so strange to us, they reveal to us the character of God, the full character of God. We want to focus on the mercy bit, don't we? We like that bit. We know we need mercy. But he is also holy. And he cannot in any way condone sin in our lives. And we always have to be aware of that. We have to be conscious of the fact that sin separates us from God. There is no other way of seeing sin. It's not simply a mistake. There's no such things as white lies. Sin is sin and God wants to deal with sin. And he deals with it with his mercy. There's a, a passage in, uh, in uh, later on in the New Testament. And Paul talks about God's salvation through Christ. And he says this, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the son of man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. And here we see Paul kind of relating this strange story to the cross of Christ. And as we work towards Easter, we are reminded again and again, aren't we, of the, the, the incredible story of the death of Christ. All that he went through, all that he suffered, so that we may be saved. And in the same way that Jesus was lifted up upon the cross, as we look to him, we too can be saved and have eternal life. Just like how the Israelites looked to that pole and the snake. We're reminded again in the cross of both the holiness and the mercy of God. He deals with his, our sin by sending Jesus to die for us. He deals with our sin by offering his own son in our place so that we may know the full extent of his love, so that we may know the full true nature of his character. He isn't just this harsh kind of sounding God, because he isn't. 
He is a God full of mercy and compassion who is always reaching out to us, drawing us back into his holiness. But to do that, we also need to walk away from sin and we need to deal with sin in our lives. And there's just three very quick things I want to just draw out of this passage. Actually, there's four. The first thing is this, that when they prayed to Moses, look, ask God to take the snakes away. God didn't take the snakes away. It's an important thing to remember that. What he did is he offered them a way out. He offered them a way of salvation. And you know, we all face difficult times. We all face times when we are struggling in life. We all face times when life seems to be hard and, and just almost against us. And we think, what was the point of following God if life is going to be this hard? But God has never ever promised us an easy life when we come to him. In fact, I've said it before in the series, it's just the opposite. God promises persecution. He says, you know, you are taking, you know, the, the narrow path here, not the easy path. You're taking the harder path. And so many people, when they get to that difficult point in their life, they want to wander away from him. Just like these Israelites, they start to grumble. They start to effectively rebel against God. God should be doing more in my life. Why is it that there's so many difficult things in my life? And the moment we start on that path, we are moving away from God and entering into rebellion. We need to be able to see the mercy of God and to see all he offers us. God never promises to take the hard times away, but he always offers us a way of salvation. He always offers us life and life in all its fullness, even in the midst of our difficulty and our pain even when we're feeling demoralized, even when we're feeling like the, the whole world's against us, even when it feels like the anger and the frustration and the disappointment is going to overwhelm us, he offers us a way out. And that way out is by looking at Jesus and reminding ourselves of all that Jesus did for us, reminding ourselves of the mercy of God. But the next thing I want to, to say on this passage, you know, this is, th at this point in the story, the people had grumbled and rebelled against God numerous times. And God keeps offering them a way out. He keeps showing them mercy. And you know what, no matter what you've done in your life, no matter how much sin has controlled your life, God still offers you mercy. And all you need to do is to, to look to Jesus. All you need to do is to look to him and to remind yourself of all that Jesus has done for you and to ask Jesus back into your life again. You may have been a Christian at one point, and just kind of wandered away. And maybe you've come across uh, this live stream almost by accident. But you can come back to God. All you need to do is look to Jesus. Don't look within. Don't look 
were then to try and sort out your problems. Look to Jesus and the mercy that he offers you. The second thing I want to take out of this passage is this, that no matter what the situation we find ourselves in, no matter how fearful we get, we can look to the cross and find peace. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I really don't like snakes. And lots of people have a real phobia about snakes. And you could imagine the Israelites, even those who weren't grumbling, being terrified of these snakes who were in the midst of their camp. Fear would have overwhelmed the camp. And that can be the same for all of us in all sorts of situations that the circumstances of life threaten to overwhelm us and we leave us in fear. All they had to do in that camp was to look to the, to the pole, to the snake, and remind themselves that there was always going to be a way out should they ever be bitten. And for us, we, we look to the cross and remind ourselves that through Christ we have a peace that passes all understanding. That no matter what happens in this life, our future is secure because of what the cross has done for us. There is no need for fear to overwhelm us. There is no need for life to overwhelm us. We have the cross and we look to Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith, who gives us a peace that passes all understanding, and we rest secure in that. And the final thing I want to just pick up on in this is the importance for those of us who are Christians to simply lift Jesus up. To lift him high for all to see. We've come through a year, haven't we, where people have struggled with all sorts of things and will continue to struggle. I guess you kind of picked up that most people are feeling a little bit lighter now that there's a road map out of this situation. But we also know that this road map is taking us into more difficult situations. People will be losing their jobs, there will be more poverty around, there will be difficult decisions to make. We need to constantly lift Jesus high, point people to Jesus, to remind them of what he has done for them. And at this Easter, that's what we do, isn't it? We point people to the cross, to the resurrection, and say that Jesus isn't dead. He is alive and he wants to be involved in your life today. For all of us, we have to take the responsibility of sharing our faith with others seriously. We cannot leave it to other Christians to do. We cannot be complacent about it. We have to take it seriously. And I want to encourage you as members of Christchurch, as you start to look to this, this oh, remains of the year, as we start to think about coming out of lockdown, how are you going to lift Jesus high in your life? So that no matter what people are going through, they can look to Jesus and find salvation. They can look to Jesus and find life. They can look to Jesus and find peace and healing. They can look to Jesus and find hope and purpose. We have a big year ahead of us. And it starts with us lifting Jesus.
Ha. Let's just think about what uh, I've just said now. We're going to kind of just move into a short time where you can kind of respond in your own way to what you think God might be saying to us right now. Maybe there are things that I've said that have just in some way spoken to you. And it might be that you've, as I said before, just come across this live stream. And maybe you've wandered away from God in your life. Perhaps you used to go to church as a child, maybe even as an adult, but have wandered away. Isn't this the day to look at Jesus again? To find your salvation, your hope, your peace, your healing in him. This might be the day that you give your life back to Jesus.